Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, Revoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Blog Talk Radio. Some previews of big series, 
So it will be a recapping series from the weekend and previewing the big series. We'll be taking live callers, so if you have any questions or comments, you can reach us at 516-387-1306. Quick shout-out to our partners at R&B Music and at Major League Fantasy Sports. You can catch my other show, Major League Fantasy Baseball Weekly, on Thursdays at 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. You can also tune in to the Major League Fantasy Sports Baseball Show every Sunday at 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Now, NBA playoffs, Zach. Okay, seeing Golden State tonight, and after losing the last two games, I think OKC's luck is starting to run out. I think Golden State's going to take this series. And there wasn't a lot of talk about it, but I believe Kevin Durant may have played his last ever game as a member of OKC in OKC on Saturday night. Yeah, that's that's definitely a, a big possibility, and I think um, his impending free agency hinges on uh, what happens in this Game 7. I think if they somehow pull it out um, and they go to the finals, uh, win or lose against the Cavaliers, I think there'd be a good shot of him coming back uh, feeling confident that they can make another championship run. Um, now, if they take the loss here in Game 7, um, I think he'll really weigh his options. And, um, you know, they haven't been to a championship uh, since 2012 where they were uh, beaten, I think, 4-1. to one. Um, Didn't really have a great shot there against the Heat. Um, and then if I think they, they lose here, uh, he'll think about where he wants to play next year, whether it be uh, Washington, where his hometown, um, Golden State, rumors. Uh, so it's going to be definitely interesting to see where he goes. Now, um, game six, uh, was it Oklahoma City? Did they choke? Did they uh, lose this game for themselves? Or did Golden State win this game? That's the question I want to ask. I mean, you could argue that Golden State won the game because their shooters got so hot, specifically Thompson, um, in that fourth quarter, really in the second half. Uh, but the way I saw it, I saw Westbrook and Durant just um, taking bad shots, making bad plays, um, not attacking the rim as much as they should have been and drawing those fouls um, that they're so good at doing, especially Westbrook. And it just seemed to me like their offense kind of just sputtered when it mattered most. And, you know, and the result was a loss and, you can't you can't give a team like Golden State uh, feeling like they're still alive because they'll they'll scratch and they'll claw and they'll you know they've gone back to the series and I wouldn't be surprised if they won by fifteen to twenty points tonight either being in Golden State. Your thoughts on that? Yeah, I certainly um, you know when I prepared for the show and uh, writing some of these uh, quick thing quick points I want to talk about. I actually wrote that down, and I think Golden State wins this game in double digits, but uh, just to touch on what you said about um, Oklahoma City and their offense sputtering, I saw the exact same thing. I think the whole world did that. Um, you know, Clay Thompson is often overshadowed by how good Curry is, how great of a shooter he is, but during this whole game, it was Clay Thompson that was keeping them in this game. They were often down by six to eight points, um, and it looked like Oklahoma City would make a run and then Clay Thompson would hit a three. Um, 
And he pretty much did that all the way until halfway through the fourth quarter when Curry finally started getting hot. Um, and then they were both making baskets. Um, and down the stretch, Oklahoma City got away from uh, the team basketball where Ibaka played really well. Waiters was playing really well. Robertson is not a offensive uh, prowess type guy. It was five for five. Got away from him. Got away from Adams, who has been pretty much the X factor this whole playoff run. And Russell Westbrook and Durant just decided to play hero ball. Um, they didn't have one assist in the fourth quarter, and they were just taking bad shots, like you said. And it was just, it was bad to watch. You could just see it coming. Um, people often get on Russell Westbrook for taking bad shots, but down the stretch, it was really Kevin Durant was taking bad shots. Russell was trying to attack somewhat, and Kevin Durant was just trying to get to his spot and just getting stripped or taking really contested bad shot when there was people open. Um, Iguodala played really well down the stretch defensively. Uh, he had a big strip on Russell Westbrook, and then he had a big strip on KD down the stretch. So I think game seven tonight, um, OKC, I think, is going to be even walking in there kind of feeling defeated as well, and that's not going to bode well for them Um kind of already feeling defeated. Uh, I think they know they lost their chance to win this series, um, and we know how tough it is to win in Golden State, although OKC has done so already this series. So um, it's going to be a fun game to watch. It's going to be electric, but I think uh, Oklahoma City um, lost it for themselves. I would have to say so. And moving over now, the winner of this game obviously is going to be playing the Cavs in the finals, and which team do you think stands a better chance of beating the Cavs between the Warriors and OKC and Wysak? Well, I think either of the teams would have a, a good shot at beating Cleveland. I think um, both teams have a better better chemistry and, um, you know, have obviously played together longer than the big three of Cleveland. Uh, but I think Cleveland would want to see, um, from a basketball standpoint, OKC. Um, I think Narrative Street, they'd obviously want to see Golden State and redeem themselves. But I think if they're actually thinking about uh, wanting to win the championship, I think they'd rather face OKC because just like Cleveland can get um, at the end of games playing ISO basketball, more hero ball, guys standing around watching, that's what OKC can tend to do, and we saw that in game six. I think the experience of Golden State, knowing what it takes to win, um, is often an overshadowed uh, factor in basketball. And OKC doesn't have that experience. So I think that's a huge factor. And I think Golden State would, you know, take Cleveland out again, um, maybe in a six-game series, uh, whereas I think Cleveland and OKC could go seven, and it's kind of a toss-up. But I would see uh, OKC winning that series in seven. Um, so I think... Uh, Golden State, obviously, to answer your question, matches up better, has a better chance to win just with the experience um, and the overall uh, team camaraderie and not playing hero ball at the end of games. That's a fair point, I would I would have to say. Um, I mean, Cleveland scared me a little bit, though, um, because they didn't look so good in game three and four in Toronto. And you have to wonder if they're going to look that bad 
against more talented teams in LKC and Golden State. Whether whoever it might be, we're thinking it's going to be Golden State. But can Cleveland win four games against one one of these teams, playing at least three in the other building? I think they they can. Obviously, they have a ten, they have the best player in the world um, in LeBron James. Uh, the only thing um, that would be tough for them is uh, both of those teams have two of the best point guards in the game, um, and Kyrie Irving is one of the worst defenders at the point guard position, and you could say, oh, well, they'll put Shumpert on him, but Shumpert's a liability offensively, and that means J.R. Smith would be coming out of the game, or it's to plant Kyrie Irving, who needs to be in the game for um, offensive reasons. So I think they could go in and, and win four games against either of these teams. Uh, we saw last year LeBron won two games on his own against Golden State. So they, they're definitely capable. It's kind of, excuse me, the um, thing I said about the Raptors that uh, their key cogs have to play A-plus games um, against the other team playing an average game. So I think Cleveland would need that um, at least three times, uh, all, their, all three of their big three playing a-plus games, um, and the other team just playing an average game. So it's, it's going to be a tough sledding for Cleveland, but uh, they're definitely capable. Well, yeah, absolutely. Anytime you have, like you said, the best player in the world is LeBron James, I would say that you have a chance. And he made it close last year, and he didn't have uh, Tyree or Love. So I would say that Cleveland definitely has got a good shot. Um, it'll be cool to see a rematch, Golden State and Cleveland, because that's what it seems like it's going to happen. And um, when would that kick off? Wednesday, Thursday for for Friday? Sometime yeah. in that range, finals. Right. Yeah. One of the more, probably Wednesday or Thursday. I'm assuming. Um, but yeah, that that hurts me to say that Cleveland has a is going to be tough sledding and doesn't have a really good shot because. Uh, I'm obviously a Cleveland and LeBron fan, but uh, just being unbiased, uh, I think they're going to have a tough time. So we'll we'll see what happens, and I'm going to be excited either way. LeBron's going to be the uh, eighth guy to reach six straight finals, so that's an outstanding feat on its own. Um, And we often measure players by how many championships they've won, but if you just think about going to six straight finals in itself. Uh, Michael Jordan never did that. Um, Larry Bird never did that. So it's it's an outstanding feat, definitely. Um, it certainly is, Zach. And not just that, uh, I wanted to say that I think it's pretty obvious that if OKC somehow squeaks this out tonight in, in uh, Golden State, then I'd be cheering for them uh, for obvious jersey Selfish Jersey reasons, but if um, if Golden State wins, I'm going to be cheering for LeBron, and I'm going to be cheering for the city of Cleveland 100%. Um, yeah. And I hope that Cleveland wins it, if that's the case. Nothing against Golden State. I like them. I like Curry, but I'd really like to see LeBron win it in, for Cleveland, and I'd like to see Cleveland, um, you know, get a championship. Get a they championship. really, yeah. really need one. Just that city Just like Buffalo. so badly. Just like Buffalo. Um, 
just yeah. like Buffalo, exactly. Cleveland at least has more more of a chance though because they have um, they have a professional team in every sport. Yeah, pretty much. Right. Um, maybe I guess I guess they don't have a professional team in the NHL though. Right. The closest Very to true. them was what? Columbus maybe. Team? Columbus, I was, yeah, that's exactly what I was going to say. Um, at least you have the Sabres, who aren't half bad, right? Yeah, they're going to be really, really good. You know, uh, next year, maybe the year after, they'll be a. They're going to turn into somewhat of a dynasty um, with the the young ascending talent that they've accumulated over the past two or three years. So they've um, they've done a very good job of that. Actually, they have. Yeah. They were a test for a while. Uh, yeah. let's, let's talk a little bit. Though, Zach, let's go to baseball. Let's talk a little bit about uh, Jackie Bradley Jr. streak is finally over. Um, what a streak it was. Do you think that this guy is going to be able to obviously not maintain his pace because he's not going to go on another 29-game hitting streak, but is this guy going to be able to stay relevant, you think, in this Red Sox lineup and fan for fantasy rosters, or do you think he's going to kind of um, – you know, he he could be a guy that hits two ninety the rest of the way, but he could be a guy that hits two fifty five the rest of the way. Are we gonna see either one of those guys? You're gonna see something in the middle. What are your thoughts on Jackie Bradley Jr. going forward? Not to cop out of the answer, but I think we'll see something sort of in the middle. Um he's currently, you know, after the streak, he's hitting three thirty three. Um, you mentioned two ninety or uh, 250, and I think he'll probably finish the season something in between. Um, I'd say maybe probably closer to the 290 end, maybe 280, something of that. But I think, you know, this guy will have an impact in in real-life baseball for the Red Sox, um, making a playoff push, as well as uh, people that have him in fantasy. He'll help, he'll help those teams as well uh, make a run because uh, – He's not going to kill your average. He's he can hit for some power. He's in a lineup that's going to give him ample RBI opportunities. Uh, he could steal you some bags, um, and you could say it's taken this guy a while to to get to this point, and it has. But all his peripherals and sabermetric indicators point to um, this production sustaining to somewhat. His his power is going to stay legit. He's always had sneaky power. Um, and then just some of his contact numbers are uh, indicating that he can hit for somewhat um, of an average. So, you know, I think he can sustain this for, you know, the Red Sox and your your fantasy team. And especially when you look at the lineup around him, he's got protection. Uh, today he's hitting behind Big Poppy. So um, he's definitely going to have some, some opportunities to uh, really, really fluff up his numbers. I would say so too. And I mean, if that lineup just continues to rake the way they are, we'll get to them in general because I want to talk about them in the Blue Jay series in just a bit. Um, but let's talk specifically of that before about Xander Bogarts before we get to that because um, is. He's got his own hitting streak now, I believe, 18 or 19 games, maybe even more. And he's actually hit better than Jackie Bradley Jr. has when Jackie Bradley Jr. had his hitting streak. Um, is Andrew Bogarts the second 
first or second best shortstop in Major League Baseball today? Yeah, I believe so. And uh, Correa obviously got all the hype in the world this offseason, and rightfully so after um, his rookie campaign. But uh, Sander Bogart's certainly at the moment playing better than Carlos Correa, even though Correa had a, a sweet pinch hit home run to end the game in the 13th inning yesterday. But Sander Bogart's sitting 351 right now with six homers, 28 RBIs. Adding on to that with seven steals. Um, we knew the talent was there with this guy, and since he's played on the Major League squad, he's progressively taken steps forward every season, it seems. Now he's taking that step to superstardom, um, and I think it's going to be uh, the face of this franchise moving forward after, you know, if Ortiz really does um, – retire this year, and you look at Pedroia getting older and being injury-prone, uh, it looks like Xander is going to be the guy that's the face of this Boston franchise, and I think he is for real. I think he is, uh, if not the best shortstop, the second-best shortstop. Um, do you think about other guys that were the best at that position? Uh, Troy Tulewitzki's on the DL, no surprise there. Um, that's always been a problem with his, and he's not even – hitting well at all this year. Yeah, he also power. hasn't been hitting all year. He's been yeah. terrible since joining the Blue Jays, right. actually. So, I think, yeah, to answer your question, Xander Bogarts right now is the best shortstop, best shortstop in the game, um, and I think that'll stay like that for, for years to come. Uh, him and Correa, I think, will jockey for that position. Yeah, I mean, Correa's definitely got more power, uh, but Bogarts has uh, the a better average, and I don't think Bogarts is going to be a 30-plus base dealer the way Correa can be, but um, you know, you're going to have to, I mean, I think Correa, uh, from a fantasy perspective, is probably still going to be the better shortstop over the next, you know, three, four years because of the power, but day in, day out, I'll take Bogarts um, I mean, not the, nothing against Correa, but I'll take the consistent hits not just the power, you know. Um, right. I think Bogarts will still be a 25 home run type of guy very soon. But he's a guy, in my opinion, that's going to be contending for batting titles for years. And yeah, I don't without, see Correa being – I don't see Correa being that guy. I see Correa being a 40 home run type of guy at some point, though. Yeah, I could definitely see that as well. I agree with you there. So I, I think that's the biggest difference between the two. And just just remember, Bogarts was a rookie. Remember, he came up. He was pretty good. Red Sox won the World Series. His second year and his first full year was not that great. It wasn't until last season, um, which was his second full year in Major League yeah. Baseball, that he um, really kind of developed into uh, an all-star caliber player with all the hits and the batting average taking another step forward it seems this year um, I'm, I'm very impressed by him and just what the Red Sox have done as a whole offensively and let's start talking a little bit about them in the Blue Jays series this past weekend and Friday night it was Joe Kelly versus Aaron Sanchez neither of them factored into the decision in fact no starting pitcher factored into any of the decisions this whole weekend. Friday was yeah. Kelly and Sanchez. 
Porcello and Strowman on Saturday, and David Price making his return to Boston Sunday face off against R.A. Dickey. Um, Gavin Floyd actually, Blue Jays have found something pretty solid there, at least it seems. Like in Gavin Floyd at the back end of their uh, bullpen, he's thrown in the mid the low 90s, maybe even, I think he's hit 93, 94. Um, he got the win on Saturday. He did, did take the loss yesterday, though. Uh, Blue Jays do take two of three from the Red Sox. Blue Jays are playing some good baseball. Um, hopefully the Red Sox start to come down to earth a little bit here. But what's in this series? What did you like, dislike, and what are your thoughts on these teams moving forward? Well, I think this whole uh, AL East um, division, besides Tampa Bay maybe, is going to be uh, battling each other. Um, you know, with those series against each other being huge in terms of positioning. Uh, so, you know, these are only five, five and a half games back, which may seem like a lot, but when you look at, you know, they have a series coming up uh, against Toronto. Um, if they sweep Toronto in that series, that's going to move Baltimore. them up. But Pardon? They have Toronto and then... They have Baltimore after that, and Boston and right. Baltimore are also playing this week too. So it's you know it's yeah. So it's they're gonna tough. they're gonna hurt I, each other. Um, and teams like the Yankees, who are five and a half games back, can make a push to the top rather quickly. But as far as this series, uh, like you said, none of the pitchers uh, factored into the wins there. So. Uh, that's pretty. It's pretty crazy when you look at uh, three games and they all um, have no winning pitcher that's that's starting the game off. But the the one game here was game two. Uh, Toronto scored four games in, or four runs in the eighth inning. Um, Ortiz blasted a solo home run in the ninth to take a one run lead after Toronto rallied um, to catch up by four runs. Um, and then Toronto came back after Ortiz in the bottom of the ninth and scored two runs to win the game. So just shows resilience. And um, Toronto scored 20 runs in the series. Uh, Boston scored 19. And that's just the way these teams are playing right now, just um, mashing runs. And Boston's been doing that all season. Toronto got off to a slow start. And some of their guys are starting to hit now. They got Devon Travis back, which I think is a huge boost in terms of uh, their offense, even though he's hitting at the bottom of the order right now, um, I think if he starts to get hot, they maybe move him up and get some speed at the top, uh, whereas they have Joey Bats hitting there right now. So I think that's going to be something interesting to see moving forward. Um, and like you said, we'll see if uh, if Boston regresses a little bit. Um, and they got a... Uh, uh, a guy coming back, which we'll we'll talk about to pitch tomorrow, um, in Eduardo Rodriguez. Hello, Lou. My lost Lou for a second. So uh, if you come back, no, we'll sorry, be out. I, okay. I was just on mute. I was just no, on it's all mute. Gravy. I was I was enamored by all the wonderful things that you were saying. And yeah, we'll talk a little bit about. Erod uh, later on in the Red Sox and Orioles preview. That's uh, Gosman and him matching up to probably the two best young pitchers on each of these squads. 
Um, but let's uh, let's go over and talk a little bit about Mets Dodgers from this past weekend. And first off, we had the young Dodgers phenom Urias uh, make his debut on Friday in New York against Degrom, uh, who pitched very well for the Mets. Mets took that game. Urias did not look so good and then got sent down right after. Um, first off, what are your thoughts on that? Do you think we'll see him again? And when do you think we'll see him again? I think we'll definitely see him again. Um, it was a a tough spot to put the kid in. We know that he's got nasty stuff, like nasty, nasty stuff. This kid's going to be a stud um, in the future. But uh, to put a 19-year-old kid, 19 years old, um, now this kid pitching yeah, okay, in... Second, uh, yeah, uh, Urias was the second youngest Dodgers pitcher I believe, ever, and the, the youngest Dodgers starting pitchers in 54 years. Right. and 54 you know, years. That's quite some crazy. time. And, uh, you know, the kid's pitching in the minors where he's pitching against dudes that are older than him, let alone um, in the majors. So they put this 19-year-old young blooming stud um, up in the majors, and they pitch him against a Mets team um, in New York where, you know, the media is crazy. Uh, they have a sold-out crowd, um, and they put this kid in that tough situation. And uh, I think, you know, he was overthrowing and he was amped up. And I think anyone in the right mind would be, you know, first MLB start um, with a sold-out crowd against a, a New York Mets team. Uh, so that, that's a tough spot. Jacob you know, right. like he was matching up against Barrett the way that yeah. Maeda did on Saturday either. This was Jacob DeGrom. Yeah, and I I think we will see him again, but um, there's some talk that when he does come back up that uh, they might shuffle him into the bullpen to kind of preserve his arm but also give him some work. So I think we we definitely will see him again. But um, as I talked about on the show before, um the Dodgers do have some arms in waiting uh, coming off the DL, um, like Ryu, uh, Anderson, and what have you. So they don't really need him in starting so, rotation. Zach, don't the Dodgers also have uh, De Leon in the minors as well? He's yeah. Apparently more MLB ready than Urias. Right. He doesn't have the same ceiling, but he's more MLB ready from what I am right. aware of. So, yeah, they, they don't necessarily need him in the starting rotation. So uh, I think the rumors or whatever speculation may be about him going to the bullpen, I think that's the move we will see. Well, yeah, I heard something that, like, he's only, he only threw, like, 80 to 90 innings last year um, at minor league level. So the jump to anything over, like, 120 would be a little too much, I think. So... Yeah, him being in the rotation just doesn't really make a lot of sense to me at this point. Let's uh, talk a little bit about the rest of the series, though. We had Kenta Maeda versus Logan Verrett on Saturday, and Maeda had been, had been struggling, and he really has pitched very poorly at Dodger Stadium. But this one at City Field, uh, he's looked better than he has in the last couple. He's five strong innings. Dodgers bullpen kind of took care of the rest, and they took that game. And then there was last night, Clayton Kershaw, Bortolo Colon, and 
great games pitched by both of these starters. But Familia blows it late, and I believe it was the second time that he blew a game in this series. Um, Mets really could have won every game in this series, I think, and only got one win, the one on Friday night. So what are your thoughts on that, and what are your thoughts on both these teams moving forward? Well, yeah, let's just a quick note on all three of these games here. Uh, so the first game, uh, as you said, uh, Familia blowing leads. He gives up four runs in the ninth inning um, in their first game against the Dodgers. Uh, Granderson comes in, hits a walk-off home run in the ninth inning, and Familia gets the win. Um, now that's just insane uh, that a reliever can give up four runs um, and then get bailed out and get the win. You know, uh, that's why I, I feel like quality starts a, a better indicator of, of a pitcher rather than the win because crazy stuff like that can happen where, you know, guy gives some freaking four runs and uh, gets bailed out by his team and gets the win um, that's not really deserved. Um, and then in the second game, um, you talked about uh, Verrett, and the only reason Verrett was in the game was because Noah Syndergaard was tossed. Um for throwing behind Chase Utley, not even hitting him, for throwing behind him and just got tossed. No warning, no anything. They said that the teams were both warned uh, before the game with the whole, you know, Utley slide thing last year. Um, but he didn't even hit him, and Syndergaard was tossed. Uh, yeah, and, and I don't like that call by the um, – I don't Nor like do I. What he, yeah, that's um, – That's outrageous. That's premature. It's premature to do so. And exactly like you said, he didn't hit him. Um, and that really changed that whole game around, too. I think it's very yeah. unfair what happened to Syndergaard. But um, I don't want to delay you from your um, from the points you were going to make any longer. I'm sorry. No, I had, yeah, had to jump in there. No, to yeah. I want you to jump in on him. And, uh, you know, then the Dodgers come in and score nine runs after Syndergaard's toss. Um and then, you know, last night, Kershaw just, just lights out. Uh, he got a no decision, but seven and two-thirds innings, striking out ten batters, no walks. Um, forgot what I what I heard yesterday. His chain uh, of battered ball is something like 18 or maybe it's even 36. I don't know. It was one of those. I know that's a big gap, but... Uh, something super outrageous that I was like, dude, that's just outstanding. He's uh, he's pitching uh, better than he has in the past, which is outrageous because he's been arguably the best, not arguably, the best pitcher in the game over the past few years. Um, and to start this season, he's, he's pitching better than he ever has before. So uh, this team, I think, moving forward, uh, is going to have a good shot with uh, – you know, obviously just Kershaw is the number one and Mada is kind of taking a step back it's, as teams have seen him now and have the book on him. But I think he'll still make his adjustments and be a solid pitcher. Um, and then they have a they have an okay lineup, nothing killer, but a, a consistent lineup. Utley's really been uh, playing really well at his old age as, as a leadoff hitter. And then you got um, – Seager and Agon, she's Mr. Consistent, so I think they have a good shot at making the postseason. And then we know what the Mets are. Um, 
Their rotation is nasty. Harvey's been awful, but right now um, he's through five innings uh, with six Ks, hey, no runs, one day. hit. So um, if that's uh, something, a a precursor to what he can do moving forward, then this team's even going to be more scary uh, going into the postseason. Yeah, well, he looked good today, as you mentioned, and um, he is such an important factor for that team, pitching wise. And they're they're scary, exactly as you mentioned. They're scary even if he's not pitching well, but if he's pitching well too, that's a, that's a team that's going to win a lot of ball games and a team that's going to be in the postseason. And come postseason, you got to be able to beat three or four of those guys consistently. Good luck. That's all I can yeah. say with the match. Yeah. The Dodgers worry me a little bit because I don't like their lineup so much. Yeah. And um, I also – I don't really love their pitching staff either behind right. Kershaw. Um, I don't think there's any real consistency there. So the Dodgers do worry me quite a little bit. And they have a big um, series coming up this week, which we'll get to momentarily. But first – Let's talk about the Pirates and the Rangers and the return of you, Darvish, Saturday. Before we get to that even, uh, Cole Hamill struggled Friday night. Uh, five earned runs in only four and two-thirds inning. Pitt won the game nine to one. Uh, are you concerned about Cole Hamill's at all? Uh, not really. Uh, I think we've seen this in the past somewhat where he can have a, a game where he gets hit for five in runs like he did this past week. And uh, as far as the team he's facing, Pittsburgh has been one of the hottest hitting teams in, in the majors over the past week, week and a half. So I think he just got put in a, a tough spot against a hot-hitting team. Um, and like I said, he has the propensity to have a couple of these games this season. So I'm just going to uh, draw it up to uh, – a loss for him, and uh, I think, you know, if you're an owner of his in fantasy or if you're a Texas Ranger fan, I wouldn't be too worried. Um, the guy's a, a great pitcher, and I think he's going to stay that way. There's been no indication of, of him um, aging or losing his stuff as of yet, so I wouldn't be worried now. Yeah, I would not be worried either. I believe that's the first decision he's lost since joining Texas last August. So uh, certainly would not be too worried about that. Nice did look good for the Pirates, though, uh, which is definitely worth mentioning. But now to the big game, and that's Nicasio versus you, Darvish. Darvish missing uh, the, what, the last 18 months or so, Zach? Yeah. So 18 months layoff from Tommy John surgery, only allowed one earned run in five innings pitched. He did walk one big whoop, but he struck out seven. Walked one, struck out seven in five innings against, as you mentioned just a couple minutes ago, a very hot Pittsburgh Pirates offense. Um, I would be so encouraged right now if I'm Texas, if I'm a fancy owner of you, Darvish. Um, and Texas moving forward with Hamels and Darvish and even uh, Martin Perez, who pitched is pitched pretty well and has pitched pretty solid throughout the season, but solid against uh, Francisco Liriano on Sunday as well. And 
Um, good series for Texas, being able to take two of three from the Pirates, for sure. Texas is definitely my pick in the AL West. Yeah, I, I would have to agree. Um, Darvish looks pretty, pretty solid in his, in his first start since uh, April of 2014, which is a long, long layoff. Um, like you said, it just denoted 81 pitches, um, and he still got seven Ks and made it through five innings. So uh, once they really unleashed him and let him uh, go 90 to 100 pitches, um, see him go six or seven innings and start seeing those double-digit K numbers that we're used to seeing from Darvish, this team's going to be scary with that one-two punch. Um, and then, like you said, Perez is, has pitched well. Kobe Lewis in spots has, has pitched well, but he's a guy that can give up like 26 runs in a game. Um, so, yeah, I'd be encouraged as a Ranger fan. And, God, I tried trading for Darvish in every league that I'm in. I tried drafting him in every league I was in, but I always was taking, you know, the pick before I was going to take him. So I'm uh, pretty upset that I don't get to uh, cheer for him in that respect. But um, I did use him in, in daily in his first start because he was he was quite cheap um, coming back from the first start, and he, he bowed well for me and won me some money. So uh, I guess I could cheer for him in that respect. And, um, yeah, yeah, I think the Rangers – that's, that's pretty awesome, the, bro. Right. I think the Rangers are, are to beat there. Um, I know you – I mean, Tasho, as you said, you like Seattle uh, – somewhat, but I I don't know. There's something about Seattle that just irks me somewhat. Um, it's yeah, I with like Felix Seattle like, as a fan. As a fan, I like Seattle the most in that division. Right. That's what I said, I, yeah, definitely. But from a talent standpoint, and I wrote about it actually in my final article on Saturday because uh, I'm done writing now with uh, baseball and football shows starting up. But right. I said Seattle's good. But they're a wild card contender, more so. And Texas to me is the front runner in the West. And like I said, um, just a couple of minutes ago, they're so deep. I mean, when you have guys like the Shields and Joey Gallo and stuff, not even in your lineup, and they just brought up Pro Far. I mean, what what yeah. type of organization loses a player like Rufnet Odor for a week? And it's like, oh, well, we'll just bring up Jerickson's pro far, yeah. the number one ranked prospect in baseball in 2012. <laughs> yeah. I mean, like, That's... in what universe does that happen, right? Right. So, yeah, Texas is loaded. Um... And by the way, Zach, you'll be happy to know I traded for Nomar Mazzara in my AL only dynasty league. So Wow, yeah, it's huge. That and Barrios. Barrios. Nice. Nice. Yeah. Um, to go with, it's a little go off. with Bogart and Sano and Lorenzo Kane. Wowzers. Pretty loaded yeah. there, bud. Um, oh, I know it's a little off topic. I pregnant, too, from Houston. Solid. Um, yeah. Just quickly, it's not a team we're slated to discuss, but um, since we're bringing it up, how do you feel about uh, Fifi, Felix Hernandez, um, just, I don't, he's not looking good this year. Uh, he's not striking out nearly as many batters as he has in the past, and he's just seemingly giving up runs every start and just got 
lit up by by the Twins, who are one of the worst teams in the majors. Yeah, well, I think Seattle getting swept by Minnesota is the most troubling thing there. But, yeah, with Felix, it, it's interesting because if you have a conversation with someone who doesn't pay so much attention to start by start and you told them that Felix doesn't look so good this year, they'd be like, what do you mean? They pull up his his numbers and they'd see and they'd look and, oh, well, you know, the ERA, it's pretty good. It's sub three, or at least it was, and this and that and the other. But he just doesn't look sharp, not just the strikeout numbers. It's just it seems like everything. He just, when you're watching him, the velocity seems to be down too. And although the numbers don't scream out of you as something you should, you know, again, you're alert on, put up a red flag, whatever, he just hasn't looked like Felix Hernandez. And I'm not sure, I think it could be something to do with the innings that he has put on right. that arm of his. I believe he has the most innings pitched by a 28-year-old or whatever, 29-year-old yeah. ever in Major League Baseball history. So he's uh, he's, he's had a lot of mileage on that arm. And you've seen it happen with Verlander and with CeCe and other guys. Uh, you know, and I'm not saying it's to that extent yet. He's still a very young guy. But, uh, you know, he might be having to make an adjustment soon into being a little bit more of a – not that he wasn't, but a little more of a pitcher than a thrower. Uh, because right. he has lost some of that velocity. And um, I think he'll be just fine. He's got tons of talent, and I don't think it's an injury problem either. How about you? Yeah, I think uh, the one thing you said that uh, hit it right on the head quickly so we can move on, he's got he's to become a pitcher and not a thrower. Um, I think that's something huge that uh, pitchers need to do in the MLB, and I think some guys have a tough time um, – making that adjustment just because they can't get their mind to uh, um, really reason that idea, that notion that they've lost some of their stuff and they need to become uh, a pitcher rather than uh, just beating guys throwing the ball. So I think that's a huge component, and I think that's something we'll have to watch and see if he can adjust to. Um, but, yeah, I think the talent's still there. He's just losing some um yeah, what you said there, he's pitched the most innings by a, a 28-year-old. It's kind of like LeBron James. You know, he's played in pretty much the playoffs every year of his career, and um, all those games add up to, like, three extra seasons. So um, guys like that uh, that are heavily utilized have to make adjustments, um, and that's what we'll have to see. 100%. Uh, and I've always been a King Felix fan, so I, you know, I hope he's able to be just fine, and I hope it's certainly nothing to do with an injury. Let's go over to some previews, though. And there's three uh, matchups I wanted to talk about. First being Dodgers, who we talked about first, the Mets going, I believe, to Wrigley to face the Cubs. And I don't know if the Dodgers are going to fare as well as their division rival uh, Giants did when the Giants got up with the Cubs. Um, the only game where I even like any of the Dodgers pitchers is Tuesday. They have Scott Casimir going. He's been okay. But he's going up against Jake Arrieta. So mm-hmm. good luck for the Dodgers in that game. And I think the Cubs are going to win two, if not three, games in this series versus the Dodgers. Um, the Cubs are just 
so put together. I mean, even when guys like Hendricks and Hamill take the mound, you just have this feeling that they're going to win, you know? And I don't feel that way about any Dodgers starting pitcher except for Clayton Kershaw. We're not going to see this series, obviously. We saw him last night. Yeah, I certainly agree. I don't like any of these matchups for the Dodger pitchers. Um, and then you can't even, like, say, oh, well, uh, they have the edge in the lineup, so to maybe balance out. Uh, the lineup's not even close, in my opinion, um, with the Cubs and the Dodgers. And then you look at all the matchups, like you said, uh, Kazmir may be their best bet, and he goes up against Arietta. Um, and then maybe secondly, you look at their last game with Maeda. He's going up against Hendricks, who uh, through this whole season hasn't pitched into the seventh inning once. Um, but in his last start, he pitched a complete game, uh, one earned run in seven Ks. So he's, uh, he's a guy that I think uh, – can take a step forward as a pitcher as well and just add to the young talent of of the Cubbies and their pitching staff and their uh, young guns that they have in their lineup. Um, you know, they're going to face off against Wood, Casimir, Bolsinger their first three games. All three of those guys, they can see getting lit up by this Cubs team who, yeah, may strike out a ton, but uh, if you look at these those three pitchers and even Maeda, are really not swing and miss guys. Um, Alex Wood has had a couple big strikeout games, but he's not really a strikeout guy. Casimir is just a crafty veteran lefty, not really a strikeout guy. Bolsinger, uh, not a strikeout guy. And Maida um, is less than a, a K per inning. Um, I don't know what it's sitting at now, but at the beginning of the season, he was striking out just about one batter per inning, but it's definitely decreased. Um, over his last five or six starts. Yeah, absolutely. He's a totally different pitcher made than he was first three starts throughout the season. No, no question in my mind. And you look at this Cubs lineup in comparison to the Dodgers lineup, and I don't think you can find one spot in the order where the Dodgers are better than they are. No, definitely not. I agree. One, one through eight. One through eight. I don't yeah. see... Maybe you could argue that Grandal, if you're if you're if you're going to if you're going to compare actual position by position, you can argue Grandal is better than Miguel Montero. Yeah, but Montero's uh, been actually hitting uh, yes, really exactly well that, as of late. And, that, and also they hit in different places in the batting order, and that's what I was talking about. Is actually one like leadoff guy versus leadoff guy, two hole versus two hole, and right. so on and so on. I take the cut. Yeah. Like, yeah. Definitely. Without question. Uh, their pitching's better. Their hitting's better. Their bullpens are pretty identical. I mean, I take Jansen at the back end before I take Rondon, Rondon or whatever his name is, Hector Rondon. Yeah. Um, but Rondon, I guess. Hector yeah. Rondon. Um, sorry, not Rondon. Um, it's all gravy. And. Yeah, and beyond that, though, I mean, the Cubs are just a much superior team, in my opinion. Yeah. Uh, let's uh, go over to the AL East, and we will talk about the uh, Red Sox and Orioles, which is a big matchup because they are 1-2 currently in the AL East. But let's talk a little bit about Yankees and Jays. This is their second series in the last week. 
they play each other in New York uh, last week, and we saw CC and Hap match up in the third game of that series, and both pitched very well. They'll be matching up again in this series. I think the best matchup, in my opinion, in this series is going to be Tanaka and Aaron Sanchez. And Jace took two of three in New York from the Yankees, and they take two of three again or better here in Toronto. Um, what does that tell you, kind of, you know, about the about the Yankees and the Jays this year? Do you think that it kind of says, okay, well, uh, Blue Jays are, you know, the superior team. Um, Yankees are kind of, you know, around but not going to be so good. Or do you think it's a little too early to tell um, what these teams are going to be doing and how they're going to fare just because of the series in uh, late May, early June? Right. Well, I love you, buddy, but I think uh, if Toronto does, you know, take this series two games or what have you, um, I think that's just an indicator that they are the superior team. Um as you noted, they they took the last series and uh, Toronto uh, as a lineup, as far as lineup goes, has not been anywhere close to they were last season. And I think last season they played a little over heads, but when you look at four guys that are hitting thirty plus home runs, um, and then you add Travis back into the mix, uh, I think Colabella's suspension is good for the team in terms of. Um, smoke getting more at bats because they really don't have a lefty in their lineup besides Saunders, um, and smoke can give that to them. Um, and I think uh, they'll start getting their bats going, um, Toronto, that is, and really start producing runs at a high rate. Um, although CC's really pitched well in his last three starts, uh, he's gone seven innings twice, giving up zero runs, six Ks, seven Ks, and then against Oakland. Um, he went six innings, one earned run, but struck out eight. So he's looked really good. Uh, and I think he'll kind of regress a little bit, but not to the point he was at the beginning of the season where he was just getting absolutely shelled. But um, I think if I'm going to pick either one of these teams, it's going to be Toronto that would move up in the standings rather than the Yankees. But the Yanks have been arguably uh, – the best team um, in the past 10 games going seven and three. Um, I just think their lineup is a little old and they don't have outside of Tanaka really another pitcher that I could feel absolutely confident um, I like to go out and win a game. I like the Baldy. Yeah, I do like I do Baldy. Like Baldy. Since, he, since he developed that splitter, I do like Baldy. Right, I could I could agree with you there, but I just he he gets hit around in some starts. You know, he'll give up four or five runs. So um, yeah, when he's saying, fastball happy, yeah, when he's fastball happy, he gets hammered a hundred percent. Right. Um. Yeah, I'm with you. Unfortunately, I think the Blue Jays are the better team right now um, than the Yankees are because the Yankees are just getting nothing offensively and. Their lineup really, really is old and just not producing. I don't like the Blue Jays pitching staff, though. I really don't. Yeah, yeah, nor do I. I I think their rotation is 
possibly the worst in the division, actually. Yeah. Uh, I could because of, just because of what the Orioles have gone on paper, I think the Orioles is the worst. But so far this year, I give the um, the Orioles the edge over the Jays too, and their bullpen outside of Osuna really isn't that good either. Um, yes, definitely. So I mean, I think the, I think as good as the Jays could be, I think they actually might end up being a fourth or fifth place team in this division if they don't start to hit better and if their pitching falls off at all. Yes, I could definitely agree with you there. I think Toronto's best pitcher is Sanchez. Um, and he's a guy that's still trying to figure it out. So he's not a guy that I'm comfortable to say going out um, and being the game one starter in a postseason and field. Uh, good about their chances. Um, yeah, it's and, like, do you really trust Roman? Do you really trust Roman, Estrada, no. and Sanchez as your one, two, three in the playoff series? Yeah, nor half either, you know? And they paid him gargantuan yeah, exactly. money. I mean, who knows? Who knows? That's all I'm saying about the Jays. Um, yeah, definitely. I agree. I, I think there's lots of talent there. You just, again, don't know. Um, with CC and the Yankees, and like I said, man, they, they need to get back to 500. They did it faster than I expected them to. I gave them right. until June. They already did it faster, you know. Uh, let's see how they do this week. They have the Jays and the Orioles. Uh, they could go something like 2-4 and four or 1-5 and five or something, you know, or who knows. Yeah. Um, and really put themselves in a bad place. But, you know, they even go 3-3, three and 4-3, three, and three, whatever. Again, they'll they'll be just fine. Um, and with that back end of the bull, bullpen and pitchers who have struggled, who could start to get better, like I, I think the Yankees will only start to get better from here, not worse, unless they obviously decide to sell and they start to trade people. Um, but lot to see. Speaking of having to see, uh, tomorrow night, Gosman, Eduardo Rodriguez. What are your thoughts on this matchup? Two very young and talented pitchers, two teams that are pretty good so far this year. Um, I actually own them both in Major League Fantasy Four, by the way. I love Gosman already. Erod, I got last year in my AL League. He was up and down, but what do you expect from him this year specifically? And is he a must own in fantasy leagues? Or is this kind of a wait-and-see approach? I think, um, obviously, it depends on league size. In a 10-team league, I don't think he's a must-own. Um, but I think he is a guy you should grab and kind of take the wait-and-see approach. Um, I think in 14- to 16-team leagues like Major League Fantasy Sports, I think he's a must-own. Um, he's a guy that has significant upside. Um, which we saw a little bit last year, but like you said, he was up and down. Um, and I think that's kind of what we'll see this year, but I think uh, possibly you could take another step forward and maybe give us a little bit more consistency. Um, he's not a huge strikeout guy, but he's a guy that can um, definitely get some case uh, in his five starts in AAA, and it's 3.54 ERA and a 1.14 whip. Um, he does, he took longer um, than the Red Sox expected to make his return um, due to a setback in his recovery as well as not pitching um, all that great in his AAA um, rehab assignments. Uh, but on the other 
the side of the card. Gossman is a guy I really, really like. Um, I think this is a guy that could be a really good pitcher and does have strikeout stuff, um, like K per nine, K one per uh, inning at least type stuff. Um, so uh, I think as far as their matchup goes, um, I expect the Orioles to re- win. The simple fact that the Orioles lineup is right-handed heavy, um, and Eduardo Rodriguez is a lefty, so I think uh, they have the splits in their matchup. Um, to really take advantage of some, um, you know, inconsistent pitching if if he were to make his first start such. Um, and I think Boston can obviously give give a lot of run support and uh, give him a good shot to, to win the game if, if they can get some runs off Gossman. But I'd, I'd give the slight edge to, to Baltimore just because of the splits. I'm sitting Gosman actually, I believe. I'm not starting him. I don't like the, the matchup against Boston. I think they're going to score five-plus runs on him, and I don't want him to, to blow up my totals in the matchup. Um, so, yeah, I'm sitting Gosman, and I don't think I've activated Iran yet either, so I don't know if I'll be pitching either of them, at least in this matchup. But I do like them both going forward. Zach, awesome show today, buddy. We're pretty low on time. Um, unfortunately, anything you want to say before we take off? Well, go Cavs. Uh, I'm sure we'll be discussing next week uh, whether or not you'll be getting a jersey, um, if the chances are still not alive. Next week. Not next week, Zach. Remember, I'm traveling next week. Oh, yeah. Um, we won't be so. back until uh, Monday, June 13th. So two Mondays right. from now, the 13th at 2 p.m. Eastern, we'll be back. Indeed. So uh, you have safe travels, my friend. Go Cavs. Um, and I will well, talk, to you, talk to you Saturday, my friend. Yeah. yeah. I will talk to you on Saturday. We'll yeah. be discussing the pigskin. Um, so you have yourself a, a wonderful week up to that point. Great show as always. From the best in the West to the beast in the East, Sports Buffet Radio. You got it, man. And you have yourself a good week, too. We'll be speaking soon, getting that football show all ready to go. And all the listeners, on behalf of Zach and myself, thanks so much for tuning in. I'm Lou Landers, and like I mentioned, we will be taking next week off. So we'll be back in two weeks, Monday, June 13th at 2 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on the Sports Buffet Radio Network. Come and join us for some sports talk. Ryan here and I have a question for you what do you do when you win like are you a fist pumper 
a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.